Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Today I'm going to put my professor hat back on. This podcast is about poetry. I've been teaching poetry to people since about 1997. I say people because the people have been aged from about 7 to 87. I guess second graders are seven. Is that correct? Maybe they're a little older. But I did have the awesome opportunity to teach poetry to second graders once. Poetry used to be something that was taught in school K through 12 consistently. I'm thinking about the first half of the 20th century. Students had to memorize poetry to pass their grade level. And poems often showed up in the newspapers on a consistent basis. I knew this because my mother told me how much she enjoyed opening the newspaper to the poetry page when she would first get it as a young woman. Poetry as a fine art, has kind of fallen out of favor with a lot of people. There are many theories behind the reason why that is. From the onslaught of creative writing programs in the 70s, making poetry an esoteric academic field, to the advent of technology, speeding up our lives and thus not allowing us as much time to do slower things. And reading poetry can take some time. I'd like to share with you two of my favorite Emily Dickinson poems today. The way that I would like to cover it, them, is to go line by line and discuss what's in the lines. I don't normally teach poetry this way, and that is not a traditional way to teach poetry. But I have learned over the years that if someone doesn't like poetry very much, you can get them to like it a bit more if you discuss what the poem means. If someone feels like they can understand every line of a poem, that builds a doorway towards reading more poetry and trying to figure it out. And if getting people curious and wanting to figure out, and I'm putting that in finger hooks, figure out poetry is the way to open up new minds to poetry, I'm all about it. Two terms before I begin my poetry lesson today. Simile, which many of us remember. We do learn about poetry, at least in a little way, in junior high school or elementary school, maybe high school. A simile is a comparison of unlike things through the use of the words like or as. Hot as the sun, 
snow, slow like a snail. There are two similes for you. A metaphor is a, an equivalence between two seemingly unrelated things. And I shouldn't just say things. I should say things, actions, images, people, concepts, etc. I think we probably know metaphors too. She is a hottie. <laughs> I don't know why that just came to my mind. Let me think of something else. Ah, from the poem that I posted last week. Your life is a loaf of bread. That phrase doesn't say your life is like a loaf of bread. It is comparing it to a loaf of bread, saying they are similar in these ways. They are the same in these ways. All right. Remember those terms, and you'll get an A in this poetry class. The first Emily Dickinson poem I would like to share with you. Her poems have no titles, so we use the first lines as the titles, traditionally. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. This one is called, I'll Tell You How the Song Runs. First I'll read it, then I'll go through it. I'll tell you how the sun rose, a ribbon at a time. The steeples swam in amethyst. The news like squirrels ran. The hills untied their bonnets. The bobolinks begun. Then I said softly to myself, that must have been the sun. But how he set, I know not. There seemed a purple style that little yellow boys and girls were climbing all the while, till when they reached the other side, a domini in gray put gently up the evening bars and led the flock away. The first line has an I in it. I'll tell you. Clearly, we have a speaker. May not be the poet, but someone in the poem, in the landscape of the poem, who's going to tell us something. So what is the speaker going to tell us? About the sunrise first. A ribbon at a time. I think we all can all imagine that, right? The sunrise coming up, you see one centimeter of yellow, orange. The next centimeter of yellow, orange. And it just continually builds up ribbon upon ribbon. Pretty easy to figure that one out. The next one, the steeples swam in amethyst. A little more difficult. You know what really helps when you want to figure out poetry? Drawing it. So amethyst is a color. It's purple, which is the color of the sky in the morning at certain times of the year. How could the steeples, which is the architectural construction on top of the church, which often is in a pyramid or triangular shape with a little ball on top, how can that swim in the sky? Well, imagine the sky was in fact water. <laughs> 
and you were under the water and you looked up. Say you saw the sun. That would be a little ball like you see on top of the steeple. And what would be the triangular shape coming down from that ball? Well, sun rays as it goes through the water. Or what if you were looking up from the bottom of the ocean and you saw a jellyfish? Don't you see how that shape, the shape you see when looking up at a steeple on a church might resemble a jellyfish? And think of the shimmer in the air in the morning on certain days. That would even make the steeple look like it was moving, animated. The news like squirrels ran. One of my most favorite Dickinsonian phrases. How in the world is news like a squirrel? That's a simile. Well, when you watch a squirrel, does a squirrel go in a prescribed geometri geometrical pattern around the yard? Why no? The squirrel picks up a nut here, runs down a hole, runs across the yard in a zigzag pattern, stops to get a drink of water, goes up a tree. We never know exactly where it's going to go. Well, news of a town back before mass communication was disseminated in a similar way. A person told the milkman a story, the news of the day from that household, and then the milkman went to the next house and maybe was going to tell the story and then thought, oh, I better not tell this woman because she's kind of involved in this story. Okay, so I'll wait till the next house. And then he went to the next house and he told the story. And then a child overheard that story. So they went to school and they told someone at school that person then at lunch went to their father's law practice in town and told their father, who then went and told a policeman. You just never know where that story was going to go. Thus, like a random squirrel going any which way, that is how the news could get around the town. The hills untied their bonnets. Does that make sense to you? Here's the way I think about it. Bonnets mean something on your head. Hills are round. Heads are round. People wore bonnets to go to sleep. And so when they get up, they take their bonnets off, right? Well, how did the hills have bonnets? Think of fog or dew covering that round head of a hill. That gets lifted off as the sun rises. The bobolinks begun. Such a perfect detail. They didn't begin. They had already begun by the time the sun rose. Then I said softly to myself, that must have been the sun. But how he set, that's personification, giving 
gender to the sun. I know not, speaker again. There seemed a purple style. We all know what a style is in this day and age. If you've been on a subway, you know it. If you've been on a ride at, a, at an amusement park, you know it. It's a turnstile. So we have this purple bar going across the sight of the speaker at this time. That little yellow boys and girls were climbing all the while. So that is, in my mind, the little shoots and flashes of sun as it's going below the horizon. The last remnants of the sunshine of the day. Till when they reached the other side, below the horizon, a domini in gray. A domini is a headmaster or a clergy person. I like the religious allusion here because of the next line. Put gently up the evening bars and led the flock away. The flock, of course, being those flashes of sun, which Emily Dickinson has aligned with boys and girls jumping. And now the pastor leads his flock away to settle down for the evening. Beautiful. The next poem has a special place in my heart. You know, the majority of Emily Dickinson's poetry can be sung to the tune of the Yellow Rose of Texas or the theme song from Gilligan's Island, which actually was one of the questions on the TV episode. Oops, maybe I should have told you. Okay. There are reasons that you can sing it that way, which I won't get into today. But I am going to sing this poem for you. I used to sing it at a show. Every week, I would sing with my audience this poem to the tune of the Yellow Rose of Texas. The poem was called Because I Could Not Stop for Death. Here I go. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had put away my labor and my leisure too for his civility. We Pause past the school where children strove at recess in the ring. We passed the fields of gazing grain. We passed the setting sun. Or rather, he passed us. Dews drew quivering and chill. For only gossamer, my gown, my tippet, only tool. We paused before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. Since then, tis centuries, and yet feel shorter than the day. I first surmised the horses' heads were towards eternity.
Thanks for suffering my chaotic singing. This whole poem is a metaphor. Can you figure out what it's a metaphor for? There is an old joke with poetry teachers. What is a metaphor? For sheep to graze in. Get it? Anyway, when you have a whole poem, an extended metaphor, that is called a conceit. Boy, if you know the two terms and you can remember what a conceit is, you get an A plus in the poetry podcast today. Who can stop for death? The only people that can really stop for death are people who take their own lives, I guess. But this speaker, the I, is saying they could not stop. They did not want to stop. They could not make themselves stop. But you know what? Death stopped for the speaker because it stops for all of us. Death in this poem is in a carriage. The carriage held but just ourselves and immortality. Emily Dickinson had a lot of different feelings about Christianity and the Christian notion of God, but she did believe in immortality. We slowly drove. Imagine you're going through a death, and maybe it's not a quick death. So you're thinking of things that you're leaving behind. He knew no haste. And I had put away my leisure and my labor. So this speaker has given in, said, death, I didn't stop for you, but I'm going with you anyway. Because he was very kind to pick her up. We passed the school. This is death, immortality in the speaker. Where children strove at recess in the ring. So the ring has a double meaning here, right? It could be the little portion of land that is set aside for a playground. But ring can also be a competition. And children are striving in the ring at recess. Past the fields of gazing grain. I love that the grain is gazing, probably at the sun. Perhaps at death and his... Subject, because now they are becoming more one with the earth as they're leaving it. Past the setting sun, or rather, the setting sun went faster than us. He passed us. And then the dews drew quivering and chill, chill and became night. And oof, middle of the night and all the dew came down. And this subject was cold because all the subject had on was tippet and tulle, a fabric that's very thin. Paused before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. What I love the most about this line is it's still coming up. It's swelling. It's like the earth is moving, opening up for this person coming to be buried. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. So we know that with a grave, 
the majority of it is underground. It could be that the swelling of dirt. It could be a sarcophagus. Different things here. How would you draw it? Since then, tis centuries. Wow, that was a long time ago. This person was starting to go towards death. But it feels shorter than the day this speaker first surmised the horses' heads, the horses of the carriage, horse-drawn carriage, were towards eternity. So this is about the timelessness of being dead, how time just passes and passes, and yet it's eternity, and yet there is no time in this world where we all go to, where we then lay down in death. I hope you have stayed with me through this whole poetry lesson. I hope you will find a poem of your own or look at the poem that I will post either on the pre-episode blog post or the post-episode blog post and see what you can figure out about the lines. Draw a picture comment on the blog let me know if this is the first time you've actually had a poetry and i'm using my finger hooks class let me know if you want to add to the understanding of the poem as you perceive it whatever you do get thinking thanks for listening she's got no lessons for me because she's not that fancy she's a professor forever